0: Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined once again by Scott McDermott. Apologies for the lack of podcasts in the last few, well, I think a couple of weeks, isn't it really? Um, No, we weren't hiding after the Rangers uh, Celtic (laughs) Cup final. uh, Avoiding the difficult questions. No, no, no. We were uh, struggling to get together through a variety of issues, including um, holidays and things like that. But we're back now. Set to talk about Rangers clash with Hibs on the back of their 2-0 win at Fir Park on Sunday. Celtic, of course, got one last night. 2-0 win at Tynecastle, Thought they were pretty ruthless in that when they were not the better team in the game, yeah. they scored from their first chance. And then when they were still not the better team in the game, they scored a second goal and just kind of put it to bed before Hearts really even had a chance to lay a glove yeah, on them. Yeah,
1: and, the, and the difference was compared to the Rangers game at Tynecastle Johnny... When Rangers were under a bit of pressure for Hearts, when Hearts had a good spell in the game, they scored, yep. uh, and Rangers couldn't, no, couldn't really deal with that. Even the second half of that game, no, when Hearts had a spell, Rangers toiled a wee bit. Where a Celtic were able to, no, a bit like they did in the in the League Cup final when Rangers were were all over them. You no, know, somehow managed to to hang on in there and, and get through it. And then, as you say. At the other end of the pitch, their quality, uh, their quality told by, by Christie's finish.
0: So that puts Rangers under a bit of pressure going into this game against Hibbs. Neil Lennon obviously try to crank up that yep. by talking about it after the game. Is there also a case, if you're Stephen Gerrard, you're looking at that and you're thinking, that means he's bothered. That means he's thinking about us. Because that he would try and play those mind games well, means it, that he is looking at Rangers as a serious threat. Oh, I, I was going to say,
1: what it means is that Neil Lennon knows... That uh, he's in a serious title race, uh, and he knows that Rangers are a Rangers are a proper team. I mean, if you needed any more proof of that, then the, the, the League Cup final would have, would have given them it. You no, know, the way Rangers played in that game, the way they dominated, uh, obviously for large, large spells of it, and we all know, you no, know, they should have, you no, know, they should have taken it to, to extra time at least. Uh, everybody knows that. So Neil Lennon. Undoubtedly knows that there's a there's a title race. We, we've asked him about it a couple of times after eh, after games on a Saturday. He, he no, he knows there's a challenge there, unlike what Celtic have experienced for a for a long time. Um, and I'm no surprised he's playing. You no, know, trying to play a wee bit of mind games. You would if you're if you're five in front. You no, know, you've played first. You know you're going to get into the winter a break. having played a game more. Um, I, I I don't blame him for cranking up the pressure on. Stephen Gerrard, and it's up to Rangers, uh, it's up to Rangers to respond
0: now. Let's touch on Hibs, Scott, because uh, Rangers obviously thrashed them. I think it was 6-1 at Ibrox in the first game. Um yep. a game memorable, Scott, for that Scott Allen pass. That's right, of <laughs> course. <laughs> Highlight our <last> season. <laughs> that was the that was the big moment <laughs> from that game. Not the six one results, Scott Allen pass. Um and I am as guilty as anyone else for for <laughs> for that. So me a culpa and all that. Right, so listen though, Hibs are not that that they were under Paul Heckenbottom. They've improved under Jack Ross. Yep. They may not quite have delivered the level of consistency that they had under Neil Lennon when they were doing well, but there's more consistency, there's more stability about Hibs now. It's going to be a much more difficult game. It's at Easter Road. How do you see it happening? Have you have you seen Hibs under Jack Ross yet? Um, have I seen them live? I don't think I've seen them live, Johnny. Just Just the highlights. But,
1: yep. I mean, I've spoken to Jack Ross... Uh, spoke to him last week and there has been he's brought a kinda of calmness, a, a stability, um that, that wasn't there before he came in. He's I wouldn't say he stumbled across the formation that the formation that was used by Eddie May and his one game uh, an interim charge up at St John's and Jack Ross is pretty much stuck with that, although he said you no, know, when he got the job and looked at the makeup and the profile he had squad, that was one of the kind of systems that uh, that kind of appealed to him So he's just kept that going He's just kept it ticking along He's maybe made one or two wee changes Just, just to tinker with it um, you No know, Results haven't been perfect But uh, performances have been Going way too up front has made a big difference He's getting a tune out of Florian Canberra Again which which Paul Heckingbottom Wasn't um, I know we joked about it But he's also you know, He seems to be getting the best out of Scott Allen Couple of these passes in the Aberdeen game, uh, The Aberdeen victory uh, as well a couple of weeks ago were, were outstanding. Just cut them. They were good, the but moment. they weren't that pass. No, they weren't that pass. First one, <laughs> first one was close to it though. Um, it was actually. for Martin Boyle's goal. It was, it was superb. So, no, in all seriousness, Rangers are going to need to stop that. Uh, going to need to stop that threat, stop that supply to the to the front too. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really difficult game for Rangers um, without Alfredo Morelos. You say Friday night, big atmosphere. Um, It's going to be a tough, tough game. Rangers have played very well at Easter Road um, the last few times they've been, but haven't been ruthless enough. Have they been clinical in front of goal? Uh, And I include Morelos in that in a couple of the games. So I think it's a game Rangers just need to get out of Edinburgh with with three points.
0: I think if you're going to have concerns from a Rangers point of view, Scott, one of them would be that Defoe hasn't played a lot of football. Yeah. And when Rangers were actually um, rotating the two strikers, there was a sense that they knew how to play with Defoe and they knew how to play with Morelos, and they interchanged quite well. You need to get players around Defoe to make sure he's getting the service. Whereas yeah. with Manelos, he can play up kind of hopeful balls and he's so good yeah. that he'll pull something out of the bag for you. You can't do that with the 100%. 100% two, uh, di- 2 totally different types of players. You need to change, you need to change the way you play when fours in the team. So will they? Because we've seen it happen occasionally where if they've not played for with the foe for a while, sometimes they, they, they take a while to get back into yeah. that Interchange, fast movement up front, getting players forward around them because oh. they're so used to, you know, you knock it long, Alfie'll hold it up, you'll bring others into play, you'll knock it past the defender, you'll 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 move the ball forward at a pace. Well, here's one for you. I'm going to throw a spanner
1: in the box, right? Okay. Are you convinced the four will start tomorrow night. I can't see Is an that, alternative. I've just got a sneaky feeling I might be miles off it here. Okay. I just wonder whether. Gerrard will look at it and play Kent up top on his own or maybe even Greg Stewart up top on his own um, and still leave Defoe on the bench. I don't know why... Well, I do know why I'm thinking that. It's largely to do with everything that you're saying. It's such a change in style when going from Morelos to Defoe. The type of game it's going to be... I'm not sure if it's a game for Jermaine Defoe up front uh, on his own. Um, as I say, I, I might be totally wrong. The logical thing would be as soon as Morelos is out, of course, Defoe comes in. He's the backup striker. No, we all know, but his finishings like um, I've just got a sneaky feeling. Um, I seen a clip today for Stephen Gerrard's broadcast press conference when he was asked about Defoe coming in, and he didn't no fully commit to the fact that it would just be. Uh, a given that the foe was coming in. Um, and you're right, I mean, they're still... They're, they're kind of short of options in terms of an out-and-out striker. Um, but Kent could play up there and cause Hibs a lot of problems. That'd uh, be a
0: massive call, though. If it goes wrong, then the the blame yeah, will but, fall but, on Stephen Gerrard making that tactical yeah, move. Yeah, it
1: would. But I mean, if it goes wrong, you still get the foe to come on after after an hour or so. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, as I say, listen, it was just a throw... A cat among the pigeons. I, I I'm no a hundred percent the uh, four will start. But get back to the original point. They will need to change their game because you're right. You can uh, You just can't put a ball up down the uh, up to a channel for for the to run into the same way as uh, the same way as Morelos does. The way he fights off defenders and holds it up and brings others into play. You need to get people as you're saying. You need to get people around the four. Not know, around about the box. It's wee one twos. It's little balls in behind. Um, so they will need to change their style, and that's going to
0: be a challenge for them tomorrow night. Scott, I'm going to get tactical with you. Yeah. We're talking about the formation that Jack Ross has played, yep. which is a, a narrow midfield diamond. Yep. So the width has been created for the the team when Hibbs go forward by the fullbacks. Now, given Rangers play quite a narrow formation and they want the, the, the attacking width to come from the fullbacks, will there be a temptation for Gerard to say to whoever's playing on the wings? Well, these sort of right 10, left 10, I think as he calls it in in press conferences, to actually move them back out to the wings and say, right, we're going to try and stretch this Hibs team. Because that's how you'd normally beat a diamond. You stretch it with width. I think certainly if we take for
1: granted that that Defoe does start, that'll mean Kent is on on the uh, the left flank. So I think you're right. At the start of the game, I would be telling Kent, to hug the touchline and stay as wide as he possibly can because I thought maybe we'd go Kent and Ojo and say right let's stretch this he might I mean, I, still, I think if four does start he'll probably still go with Kent and Aribo on either side now Aribo you can't really tell to hug the touchline because no. it's just not his game naturally he's going to come in and, and play but with Kent you can say to him and I, I've found Ryan Kent a wee bit frustrating at times this season when I've looked at a game and thought that there was a chance to uh, a chance to really you no know, rangers to use the width of, of the pitch, you no. Know, and in, uh, in a situation like you would want Kent to stay out wide, but he, he constantly wants to drive in field. He wants to get on the ball more. I think he's told to do that though. Yeah, I I, I think yeah, well, I think he is. But I also think he feels. when Gary McAllister touched on that a wee bit last week. I think Kent feels you no know, because he's the big sign and he's the seven million pound man, you no. Know, there's a lot, kind of a lot of weight on his shoulders. I think he feels responsibility to come in and get more involved. And that's good. You, know, you want to see players you know, showing a of, taking a bit of responsibility. Yeah. Um, but there has been games where I think Gerrard and certainly the Rangers fans would have been crying out for Kent just to stay stay wide and go and beat the fullback. And I think you're right. If you're playing against the Diamond in midfield, there's going to be a chance for you to exploit the the wide areas if you can get kinda of overloads in those and in, in, in that department and in that sense certainly at the
0: start of the game you would want Kent to, to stay wide. Just to touch on Joe Aribo, because you did bring him up, yeah. how, how do you think this change in tactics has worked? Because I am not I'm quite surprised how big Stephen Gerrard has gone on it in terms of praising it in the press conferences. I don't think it's been as much of a success as as he clearly feels it has. Now, listen, Stephen Gerrard knows more about football than I do, but I I'm think... still to see it in terms of this Arfield-Aribo link that's, yeah. that they're trying to work on. I understand why they're trying to do it. Crikey, we've been talking about it on this podcast for long enough, trying to get Joe Aribo more freed up to allow him to do the creative things that he's capable of doing. But I'm yet to see where this dovetailing is really working in terms well, of hurting teams.
1: Well, what I would say is I think that move has... Uh has gave Scott Arfield a lift and brought his game on. I think we were all in agreement that his form had dipped, um, playing in that kind of you no know, inverted winger role that he kind of made his own last season, but it wasn't quite happening for him this season. So I think the switch has brought Arfield on and he's added something to to the middle of the park. Uh, Aribo, I thought the first half against Young Boys was the best he'd played in a, in a Rangers jersey. Um, I mean I was doing something on the night For the For the record website um, No kind of tactical thing And I was going to speak about it Because I thought No that was a standout performance for him In that first half But he kind of faded so badly in the second half That I decided to kind of leave it out Because I think others Kind of shone, shone more on the, on the night It's not his natural game He's a central midfielder All day long for me He was brought in not as a natural number 10, because I've spoken about it a million times, don't really play with a 10, but he was brought in as a as a link man between middle to front, a guy who was going to get into the box uh, late, get on the end of things, score goals. He's got brilliant close control. I think his close control is arguably his biggest attribute in tight situations. He showed it a couple of times. Uh, I think he showed wee flashes of what he's capable, I think, of the goal he scored against uh, Progress at the start of the season. Terrific finish. The goal at Livingston was was excellent as well, but I think you're right in that it's it's not really getting the best out of Aribo so far. I think there's a lot more to come from, and I think it's going to come from him playing centrally. But how how you get him in there centrally? Now that Arfield's playing well in there, uh, Ryan Jack and Kamara have been have been terrific, obviously in the last few. I mean, The midfield has been really strong, I thought it was really strong again on on Sunday, Um, and you've still got Stephen Davis to come back, obviously, so, listen, that's the kind of problem Stephen Gerrard wants to have, but you're right, they've still got that kind of conundrum in terms of the wide areas, he doesn't want to go with two flying wingers like Kent and Ojo, unless you're maybe at home against a bottom six team, but for most games... He clearly wants somebody playing uh, kind of inverted on on one side, and at the moment it's rebo, But I think you're right; he's got to bring more to the party. He's got to have more. He's got to have a bigger
0: impact on games. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we're going to move on to some questions now. We put out um, a, a, a call for questions uh, on Twitter. So first one we've got from a young man named Mark McDougall. <laughs> One of our I colleagues at Record Sport, young one. young lad, has Glenn Kamara been better than a six recently, Scott? This uh, is obviously in reference for anyone who hasn't seen it. Scott gave Glenn Kamara a what, six what in a recent that, game. Again? I can't. It was it was a game where he was good and uh, he deserved, I think, a seven or an eight. But you gave him a six, and you nah, got slaughtered I, for it. I, I, to be fair, Kamara has been very good. Uh, he's probably
1: up to about a seven. <laughs> he's up to about a seven. <laughs> No, he, listen, he has been. He's been a seven or eight in most of the games. Since then, um, again, like I was saying about Aribo in the first half against Young Boys, Kamara was superb in that
0: first half. Listen, I think the key thing with Kamara is he he gives Barisic so much license to do what he's doing. Yeah, and and, and that for me is key to what Barisic is doing. Just a bit like Candias did for Tavernier. I know Scott is rolling his eyes. This is not a video, go, but he's I rolling think. his eyes because he disagrees with me on Candias. But. Regardless what you think, Candice is a player. He gave Tavernier a license to bomb forward. Listen, that's what Kamara does for me for yeah. Barisic. He he drops in brilliantly and covers that space and allows Barisic the the freedom to say, "I don't need to rush back because yeah. I've got this guy here who'll cover me." I agree with that, and he has he does cover Barisic a lot. I mean, if I was being hypercritical, he
1: Kamara, I'd maybe like to see him just because he's playing in one of the you know, one of the advanced midfield roles. I'd maybe like to see him doing a wee bit more further up the pitch. I know, I know he is covering for Barisic and it's the same way with Ryan Jack on the other side if it's uh, Tavernier bombing up but I think back to, when you, think the, you think of the Scott Arfield goal against Celtic at Ibrox and Kamara was in that position and he plays the ball, the, the four dummies and Arfield goes in and, yep. goes in and scores. I'd like to see a wee bit more of that for Kamara just because I think he's capable. I think he's capable in the final third of coming up with you no know, passes, you no know, defence splitting passes. But you're right, I mean, the last few months, he's probably done the other side of the game really well, you no, know, tracking back, tackling, covering for the, the fullback and others. Um, I, and I, li- listening to that kind of ropey start to the season, Kamara, yep. and people wondered whether he was actually going to kick on and be the player they thought he was going to be uh, towards the end of last season. But to his credit, he's come back and he's, uh, he's pretty much playing every game now.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we saw in that the goal that you mentioned where he robbed Scott Brown of the ball, yeah. um, I think in the, the second goal in the 2-0 one at Ibrox, the muscularity that he has, the power and physicality that he has, because he yeah. knocked Scott Brown out of the way. And sc- yeah. you know Scott Brown is a, is a powerful player as well. And I think that's what he's brought to his game this season in the defensive aspects. But he's obviously very good at carrying the ball, holding the ball, really gives it away. But I think he's been a very, very good player. Now, moving on to another midfielder, Scott. This is where you come into your own. Now, it's Andrew Burns, and he said, Interested to hear any insight on Andy King? Admittedly, a tough midfield to break into, but still had some hopes he would have had a role this season. It's looking very unlikely now. Is he back to Leicester in January? I think there's every chance, uh, purely because he's just
1: not playing any games. I mean, he can't even get in the, he can't even get in the eighteen-man squad, um, which is surprising. Johnny, I must admit, I'm really surprised. Um, I mean, the only kind of insight I can give when I when we asked Stephen Gerrard about it recently, he was quite open and honest about it. And not a paraphrase him he basically said that the Andy King deal wasn't. One that Rangers were actually looking to do at the time, but he said the the uniqueness of the financial deal of the of of Andy King was that they couldn't say no. And they just thought <coughs> it, it was too good to turn down. Obviously, now me reading into that, that sounds to me as if Rangers aren't paying any wages or very very little of his Leicester wages. It looks as like if Leicester have just said, "Look, just have him." We'll continue to pay his wage for the rest of the season. I think it's his last year, his contract. Um so once Rangers get that deal done and it's really good for them financially, you're thinking, like, right, that's a guy who's played Premier League, you no, know, he's won titles, he's a Welsh international, he's gonna get in there and you know, really shake up that midfield. The fact that it hasn't happened, um, I can only surmise that in training every day, whether it's Andy King's age or whether it's been injuries or whatever He's clearly not showing up to the level of Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara, Stephen Davis, Scott Arfield. Um, I don't know whether it's whether he's struggling to get about the pitch as much as he as much as he used to. Um,
0: I really don't know. Um, Maybe it's these Rangers midfielders that are actually better than we think. Maybe we're slightly underrating them. Maybe I think Ryan Jack is ready to be a premier, premier League I player.
1: Something in that. I think I think the forum that Stephen Davis, Ryan Jack, and Glenn Kamara are in at the moment um they could all go and play at a Premier League Premier League club. I mean if no, Glenn Camara's already been linked to Premier League clubs, if Ryan Jack hadn't signed his new deal and was available, you can bet your bottom door. I think English Premier League clubs would, would be looking to looking to take him. So you're right, I mean we, we maybe get caught up sometimes when you no know, when these guys come up the road and you're thinking Andy King, Premier League winner, Leicester, International, no, he's gonna get in there and no, really, can I uh, put a stamp on it? As I say, I can only, only uh, assume that in training he's not
0: at the at the level the Rangers other midfielders. I've got another question from Nick Hickman, and it's about Greg he's saying that he feels that he's had a bit of an unfair shake because. In reality, he's he's not put a foot wrong, and he he looks like he's another that's on his way out. Um, I suppose it's kind of a similar answer for Greg Doherty isn't it? I mean, Gerard talked about it today in his uh, broadcast presser when he said that he's been, I think the quote, uh, if it wasn't magnificent, it was something along those lines. He said he's been absolutely superb. Yep. He's trained hard, but unfortunately for his position on the team, he's got Ryan Jack in front of him. And he's that. been absolutely Just superb.
1: Ve- very difficult for anybody to get into that to that midfield. They've got three or four central midfielders. Playing at the top of a game, you we know, experience international experience as well. Greg Doherty needs a run of games, and I feel for him because you know, he's a Rangers fan, you know, he wanted to make a real impact. He was exemplary in his loan spell at Shrewsbury, he did everything that, that Stephen Gerrard and Rangers asked him to do. He's as fit as a fiddle. I mean, talk about getting about the pitch. I mean, Greg Doherty can get about a about a football pitch, uh, no problem at all. And I most other uh, Scottish Premiership clubs, I think Greg Dockett would pretty much walk into the uh, would walk into their team. But such as the standard of Rangers uh, Rangers midfield at the moment, just been so difficult to to get them in. And also last season when when Gerard was more inclined to tinker with tinker with the team a wee bit, probably made some more ch- more changes after Europe. I think we all agree Gerrard's kind of learnt from that and he's he's been a bit more into continuity this year he's, he's picked the kind of same same team pretty much so you pretty much know what the team's going to be so that's made it even more difficult for guys like Doherty and you
0: know, other guys in the fringes like Jamie Murphy and that just very, very hard for them to get in Now we've got a question here from Rangers Bantz and I think this comes from a lot of the discussion around Alfredo Morelos's red card um, obviously it was a second yellow By the letter of the law, if you look at the IFAB rules, 100% it was a yellow card. Actually, some referees, having spoken to sources within the refereeing department at the SFA, actually think it would have been a red card. Um, If you look at the laws, it could be either a red or a yellow. Now, personally, I think it's a yellow because it comes down to... Whether or not uh, a get-it-up-your-gesture is derisory or offensive, I would say. In Scottish terms, it's more derisory. Um, But let's not go down that route of the (laughs) semantics of the rules, lest I get very excited and Scott falls asleep. You love reading that. (laughs) But um, at Rangers Band says, Does Alfredo Morelos get treated differently by referees in Scotland? And if so, why?
1: I don't know. I mean, listen, I've seen this question. It's one that Rangers fans ask often. (sighs) Scott, can I I, just come in with
0: something here, just before you say something? Is there a sense that any player who gets himself involved as much as Alfredo Morelos does inevitably becomes more of a target because he becomes higher profile, we write about it more, referees are more aware of it. It happened a lot to Paul Gascoigne back in the day. Yeah. and I think it's happening now to Alfred Morelos. I don't think they are trying to referee him differently, but I think it's an inevitability of a player who has such a high profile persona in Scotland who is involved in so many incidents. I, I, I totally agree. Listen, I, I can't. I just refuse to believe that refs go into no.
1: games uh, thinking I'm going to get Morelos today or I'm going to get him booked or I'm going to get a red card. I mean, Seriously, if we think that no, we'd be as well just packing up and, and chucking it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I totally agree with you. I mean, there's no another striker in the Scottish Premiership like Morelos in terms of his physicality, his aggression. Um, you know, the way he loves to you know, get involved with other players, he loves that physical tussle. I mean, you compare him to Odson Edward, for instance, who everybody's so keen to... You know, uh, no, compare the two of them in terms of who's, who's the better striker. But I mean Edward very rarely gets involved in anything physical. Do you know what I mean? He's he he'll come off the play, he'll try and link up. Uh, no, I think he's probably no, I would argue his movements maybe a wee bit better than Morelos in the box where he gets away from people. Morelos wants to get into battles and fights with people, and that's part of his strength. That's why he's so he's so good because he loves that side of the game. But you're right, if if you're gonna be like that. And no, let's be honest, he has got a his discipline's improved massively this year, but in terms of Morelos' demeanour, he has he does still have that, you no, know, kinda of angry side to him on the when he's on the part, He wants to get involved with everything, he wants to argue about everything. And listen, as a Rangers fan, you should love that because that's what you should want for your your players, no, that are so passionate, so determined, they've got that desire to win every tackle, win every header. That's what Morelos is like. But unfortunately, you no. Know, as a result of that, he's going to pick up cards. And I don't think... I think Morelos deserves huge credit for how he's turned around the, the discipline side of the game. I mean, you're talking about him being spoke about um, you know, in the media and stuff. 99% of the stuff this season has been about his goals and about how good he's been. And that's the way it should be. Um so he deserves massive credit for that. But even still, when you've got a guy like him, you know, young, hungry, physical, and he's what he win games, what he won trophies, you're going to get, you're going to get incidents and in, in a few flashpoints.
0: Where do you sit on the yellow card itself, Scott? Should that be a yellow card? The second one? Yeah. I mean, we know it's the rule, but should it be a rule?
1: I'm kind of old-fashioned that way, and I don't think... I, I wouldn't be getting out yellow cards for celebrations I mean it would really it would no it, it would need to be something really bad to to get the you know to, to get a yellow card I mean Ryan Christie scored against Hearts the other night and went to the Hearts fans and gave it the canash and the cupping of the years. <clears throat> no so uh, it would then is it then an argument of what's uh, no what's worse is it the cupping of the years, is it the shushing is it the is it the get it up <laughs> you, you get thing? into I mean, semantics how, yeah, ah, yeah. How, how do you measure it He's went to Ryan Christie's went to the away fans and, and celebrated. No, I'm not criticised him for that because he was at that end. No, it was difficult to no, it'd be difficult to run away up to the to the Celtic end. Marelos shouldn't have done it. He gave the referee a decision to make, but I'm slightly old fashioned in that sense. I mean, if, if punters are if punters are dishing it out for ninety minutes, um, no, the way that section of the mother will support them. No, we know now there was. Some objects thrown on and stuff like that. For Morelos to stay in the pitch, uh, celebrate his goal, give it a bit back before turning it to the Rangers fans, I don't think it was that bad.
0: Uh, I think it was slightly, slightly harsh, despite what the the rule book says. Yeah, I take a different view, Scott. Um, not because I think that players shouldn't be allowed to give it back. I think they absolutely should. I just think we're not mature enough as a as a group of. Football supporters in this country to to cope with it because you saw what happened when Marellus did that he was get a hot cup of bovril thrown yeah. at him I mean that could actually seriously harm yeah. a player and uh, ultimately you know if it's not bovril it's been things like lighters and coins that have rained down people just you know they they get too het up over yeah. football and and until that ceases unfortunately I just think you have to say look. Just don't get involved with the crowd, celebrate with your own fans, and that is difficult in away grounds. Where, as you say, like Ryan Christie last night, it's the yeah. complete opposite end. But I can see why the rule is there. However, I do agree with you. It's never great to see a player yellow carded, especially no. sent off or something like that, because no. it does feel like well. And the players it's a bit know. Daft. The players know. I mean, the players know that they're running the risk
1: by going to their away fans. So there's no. There's no really an excuse. I mean, you hope at times like that, you know, the referee does show a wee bit of common sense and think, just as we we're saying, you know, the players, you know, the player's been getting it for 90 minutes. He's gave a wee bit back. Let's just go on with it. But ultimately, the players know they're running. As soon as they go to the away fans to celebrate, they're running the risk of a, a yellow card. And the thing is, it does actually happen quite often, whether it's in Scottish football or English football. But it's not. But it's normally the first yellow card, and nobody ever talks about it. I mean, the guy scores a goal, shot off, or runs to the away fans, gets a yellow card, and everybody just gets. I mean, it never gets mentioned again. But it it gets mentioned when it's the second yellow that obviously results in a red, and that's why. No, Morelos will probably look back on it and think he shouldn't have, shouldn't
0: have bothered. Yep. Uh, final question, Scott, that we can get through today given the time that we have, but it's an important one. It's from Barisic's left peg. <laughs> What's Scott McDermott's Christmas wish? Christmas wish?
1: God, that's tough. I think... I think you want a title race going right down to the wire this year. Uh, I think Scottish football needs it. Um, I think people sense that it's that it's going to happen um, but Rangers have obviously still got a bit of, a bit of work to do um, but I think there's been a lot of positives in terms of Scottish football since Stephen Gerrard's came in uh, I think <coughs> the old firm League Cup final helped with that you looked at uh, you know, social media and stuff after that game seen a lot of people in England and abroad comment knowing, it, knowing how good a game it was Kind of spirit it was played in as well, in terrible conditions. Uh, a really good advert for Scottish football, and I think if we can get into it, after the break, if if Rangers no, if Rangers win their games and are really close to Celtic, if there's just a couple of points in it, we're going to be in for some some second half of the season. And I think, as I say, we get used to it for a while. No, going back, no, nearly a decade now. It seems doesn't seem that long ago when both of these clubs were fighting out right to the last the last day no for a multitude of reasons uh, we've no we've no had that recently um but i think it'd be a massive shot in the arm if uh, if we could have
0: a proper proper title race it's very egalitarian of you making a wish about Scottish football when exactly. you could have just said I, something like just I, hope, of, I hope i wish i win the lottery, no, which would be a, mine. no that's just the kind of guy i'm <laughs> um, if i was to if it was to have a rangers Christmas wish Scott Yeah, um, I think what Rangers need to do in January is obviously to get some players out of the squad, that's been reported I think today by Scott Burns in the Daily Record, the players that are, are going to be moved on uh, or, or certainly going, going to, to try, try to, move to be on. moved on but I think if, if, if you had a Rangers Christmas wish to see Rangers improve I think it would be a player who can come in and have the kind of impact Ryan Kent has had on the left on the right, yeah, to give you that attacking option. Not necessarily start every game, because you've got a Rebo that can play in there, you've got Arfield that can play in there, and in certain games, you need that solidity. But I think someone who you can say, I'll stick them in and I know they'll cause problems. Yeah, I think the difference at the moment between Rangers and Celtic is Celtic's quality in the final third. I think Rangers still need to find that.
1: I tend to agree. I mean, listen, you can never have... Too many game changers in your squad. And Rangers maybe just lack one of them. You're probably right. I mean, let's not beat about the bush. I don't think Shea Ojo uh, or Brandon Barker have been good enough so far. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. talking about bringing somebody in the right. When you've already got these wide players there, no, these guys that can play there. But ultimately, I don't think they've been good enough. Uh, Ojo... I was willing to give a chance to. I think he's got, you know, he's got real attributes. I thought he was going to come up with, with big moments, but he's only had one against Feyenoord. And, you know, over the piece, he's been pretty disappointing uh, since then. Uh, Brandon Barker hasn't had as much game time as Ojo, but again, I'm struggling to see him making any kind of real impact. Uh I'd much rather see Greg Stewart get more of a chance on the on the right hand side.
0: Um well, but in terms of the numbers, I mean it's a complete difference. Greg yeah. Stewart's numbers are terrific for yeah, what he's played. Yeah.
1: But you're right, I think whether it's on the right or just, just in the attacking third uh somebody else, I think Gerard will probably look it just to see if there is someone out there. Um that he
0: could bring in in January, even if it was a short term Well, well I would give you a, a kind of um, comparison from across the city. An El Yunusi type. Yeah. Someone who you could never normally afford in, yeah. the, in the, the normal run of things, yeah. but who's available for six months to come in to get football. If they could get someone like that who yeah. could just come in and just add that quality, I think it would make all the difference. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. I mean, difficult to find. that January's a difficult... A difficult window anyways, you know. Um, And I think Rangers will be careful. I don't think you want to make too many changes, even if there is three or four that might drop out. Uh, I don't expect... No, irrespective of who goes out, I don't expect any more than one signing to come in for Rangers in January. And I think you're right. I think that might be the one, just an attacking option. Um, They might even look at somebody that can play wide or centrally, no, just in case... Like we we're talking about earlier with the form maybe it's a game at Disney Suitem or maybe somebody maybe a bit more presence up there if Morelos is is out. No, they might just want to be top heavy in that department. If no, we're talking about a serious title. Run in if Rangers are gonna do that. No, the difference makers are at are at that end of the pitch. Um and Gerard will want as many of them as he can get into, the, get into the running.
0: Okay, Scott, we're going to call it a day there. We shall be back next week. We shall be a lot more regular going forward. Um, fingers crossed. Um, if you want to get in touch with us to discuss anything we've touched on today, you can get Scott at Scott McDermott 8 or myself at JohnnyRMcFarlane. If you enjoy the podcast, please go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this helps us get to as many people as possible. Um, until next time.